Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. I always thank the sponsors, uh, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So this was Dueling Questions with John Newman. I looked back into my records. I thought I'd done that because he's very interactive when we've had shows together, Hobby Hotline, and he's never lost for words. So here it is. You got quite a collection. I've never seen it in person. Uh, I don't know if you've been asked this before, Dr. Jim, but if you had to sell everything, but you can only keep one card, which card would it be? Probably Clemente rookie autographed. There are a bunch of other things I'd probably keep too. My wall has a bunch of things on there, but that's for everybody, not just for me. There's some things I won't sell. They won't go in my casket, but I won't be selling them. And I hope that's a small number of cards, but Clemente would be in there. The Babe Ruth card I got from my dad that was in his collection. I'd hold on to that too. I was going to guess the Clemente, so I was, I'll give myself a little credit. Okay. My question for you, as you played sports, I played sports and there's a natural decline that occurs at some point where you just get older and you can't do the stuff that you used to do. You can go into coaching. You maybe understand the game, but you just physical skills. Good. Okay. Is there such a thing in collecting that there's a, a peak age for collectors and dealers? Is it a young man's game or is the wisdom that you're accumulating giving you an advantage the older you get? As long as you're cognitively not impaired, let's say if you're 90 and you can't remember what you had for breakfast, then you're probably not going to be a very good collector. <laughs> but at some point, is there a sweet spot for collectors and dealers in terms of age or does it just get better and better until it doesn't? I'll say this. I hope not because I'm, I'm getting older. I, I will say this as a 48 year old person, there's stuff I know now that I wish I knew during my store days. I've said it on my show. I could... I could, I'd love to go back and have so many mulligans and, and do-overs. I see it more big picture now as an older person than I did when a younger. Yeah, I think that the risk is always there as your cognitive ability, maybe. I think it's more of your ability to retain knowledge and, and some of the new stuff coming and, and maybe attitude, like you're just not into it, maybe like you once were, so you don't take it as seriously. So I think that, that risk is always there. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't foresee it happening. There's always some cognitive decline, but yeah. uh, the way the hobby can be a positive aspect of that is that what they tell me is that if you can't remember something, then that's good. <laughs> yeah. Age-related decline. If you don't rem if you can't remember that you don't remember, that's when you've got dementia or Alzheimer's, or you're telling the same story over and over again, and you don't even realize. So for anybody that's getting older, if you're in the hobby, there's some normal not remembering things just because it's a huge, complicated industry and hobby. But if you're forgetting things more, you think, oh, okay, I better go to the doctor and make sure my diet's okay and I'm getting good sleep and all that stuff. But if you don't know, like I said, if I start repeating myself, John, hope you'll be one of the guys that tells me as a fellow podcaster. So. Okay. Well, you're doing a great job. So okay. you're, you're fine. Your turn again. All right. I believe in taking breaks from the hobby from time to time. I don't schedule them, but it seems like about every six weeks, I take two to three days away where I don't do anything card-wise. I don't pick them up. I don't go on eBay. I don't purchase anything. Is that something uh, you do at all or you don't find the need to do that? You're having like a reverse vacation. Most people take two or three days to go take a long weekend somewhere. But if you're in the hobby and if you're in an everyday experience of the hobby, yeah, taking a few days off is probably good. It's the opposite of somebody who's working all the time and then wants to take a weekend off. When you love the industry so much, 
it's still sometimes good to get a little change of pace. My wife, we're going to have a date. We're going to take a weekend. We're going to occasionally do stuff. And it does not count, John, if you start talking about sports cards on your date <laughs> or on your honey getaway weekend. Yeah. It's, it invalidates the romance. <laughs> Don't do it. I don't do it. So if that's two or three days to get away, that's probably good. Yeah, I like it to decompress. And no, my wife wouldn't know what I would be talking about. Let me answer that in a different way, because basically the answer is no. If my wife were not around and I had two or three days to do whatever I wanted to, if she was visiting her mom or something, I would do more cards, not less. Yeah. I wouldn't take a break. I I love it. I'm a lifer. Okay, my turn. I'm going to give you a scenario. Let's say that Tops makes you an offer for part-time employment at a good rate of pay. You can't quit your day job, but it's something that you would want to do. It's part-time. You don't have to leave uh, Syracuse. So my question to you is, what is it that they would want you to do for 15 or 20 hours a week that you'd be excited about, that they would need? Is there anything? And it could be Panini or Upper Deck, but let's just focus on Tops because they're East Coast. If they called you and said, John, we need you for X, what is the X and what would make you excited? You don't have to leave town. You just have to be available for 15 or 20 hours a week at a good rate. You know, this is going to almost sound conceited or almost maybe like a consultant. Hey, what do you see out there? You're a purchaser, you buy, you open. What do you see? What should we do differently? What do you like that we're doing? Sometimes we always think it's just uh, change this, change that. Maybe even a little marketing. I know they got Emily Kless that does a great job, but maybe even a, a little bit that or even a, 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 a podcast. That, that's the easy answer. But maybe what do you see out there that we're getting right and what do we need to be better at from boots on the ground? Good answer. They, they ought to do that. <laughs> Whether it's, I think tops. Would get benefit from... I like Syracuse. I don't have to love Syracuse. Brooklyn's my hometown. I still have family there. Okay. All right. Your turn. You have a long hobby history. I don't know if you can pick one thing, but I'm going to put you on the spot. One hobby mulligan, one regret. If you can have a do-over, whether it's, I should have bought this, I shouldn't have sold this, I shouldn't have did that. There are a few, but the most recent one, and this is mainly for your benefit, not that it'll upset you, but it'll just show that I... I'm a smart guy, but I messed up. And that is that about two years ago, before everything got going, I decided to sell a card because let's just say somebody really wanted it. Again, this is just going to kill you when you hear this. I got a feeling I know where you're going. Well, go ahead. I wound up selling it. And the price I got is probably about what the retail price of the card was at the time. The problem is that card is now worth maybe 800% more than it was when I sold it because it caught fire so much. Why didn't I figure that? It was the Leaf Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. I had an extra one, which again, is probably going to upset you, but I was sitting there thinking, I don't need this card. This guy really wants this card. He's going to pay the full price for it. I'm trying to have less cards. And now it went up. Not immediately, but within a year later, it had gone up 500%, 600%. That's crazy. I I think there's a few people that would probably fall in that uh, category from around that time period. Well, my mistake was it's not that hard of a card for the set. For the 48 Leafs, it's not in the the rare numbers. So I always had trouble with the rare numbers. I didn't have trouble with that. Like I said, I had an extra one. But I want it back. I want a (laughs) do-over. Yeah, there you uh, go. 
uh, take back, but I can't. Okay, not 2021, but 2022. So not this year, but the next year. Do you think 2022 is going to be the best year ever for the hobby, or do you have some trepidation about it? I'd love to answer that yes, but uh, to be, this is about being honest. I have some trepidation. That's probably a great word. Uh, I think you hope for the best, but I just, I think the last two years, Dr. Jim, have just been uh, incredible to a crescendo. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see it staying on that pace. I think there's going to be a, a leveling off, whatever term you want to use. I don't think we're going to see the same trajectory that we have in the last couple of years. And, so you uh, will be happy if it's flat. I don't know if I'd be happy. We all want our stuff to be worth as much as, as possible. I think anyone that tells you, ah, I don't care. I, I do it for the love and so do I. But I think we all still, truth serum, we all want our stuff to be worth uh, its maximum potential. So yeah, I don't really want it to be flat, but I just think some of the music, not all the music, I think some of the music's going to stop in, in, in whatever category it might be. Maybe NFTs slow down or graded cards maybe come back to levels that we haven't seen. The one thing I've learned in 30 something years is you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. That's the, the most exciting thing for me in a hobby now is all the years of experience I have. It doesn't even matter. It's, you never know what's going to happen. We wouldn't have guessed 2020 would have been like that during the pandemic. I, I know I didn't. And so who, who knows? Maybe 2022 is the best year. And my guess is wrong. And truthfully, I don't want to be right uh, you I, know, in that I, category. I, I agree. Good answer. Okay, your turn. So... What innovation do you see that's either in its early stages now or not even implemented yet? Put your crystal ball in the play that you think is going to be the biggest game changer in the hobby. I don't know if it's going to change the hobby as we know it, but I'm more bullish on fractionals and potentially dibs, which is going to be, as I understand it, a little more of a stock market approach to buying cards, buying parts of cards that are secured in their vault. So it's not imaginary cards, it's real cards. You're going to buy a share in that and it'll be active trading. I think that'll bring a dynamic element. So I'm more bullish on fractional than I am NFTs. As far as something new, and I think the other thing that it's just going to happen is there's going to be more and more artificial intelligence coming into the industry through grading and identification. And I've talked about that. You've probably talked about that too. It's, yeah. it's as long as it's in the right perspective, it's welcome but I don't think I want a computer telling me my card is off-centered when it's the way it was intended to be cut from the factory because of the design element. I, I just think it's going to be computer-assisted rather than computer yep. having the final say. So, so I think that'll happen. Okay, one last question. You put a lot of work into your podcast, and I just want to compliment you on that. My guess is, because I know how much I put into mine, and mine is a lot shorter than yours, it's just... For an hour of airtime, there's got to be several hours of, of prep and post-production and injecting these other nice elements that I'm not doing, but you're doing. So that really makes it a labor of love. I just want to affirm that. But there'd be people that would think my production values are too low, and maybe yours are too, and yours are higher than mine. And yet, I've always thought, and it borrowed from you, that we're hobby content creators. And we're not radio personalities. We're we're content creators. Yeah, I'm not classically trained. I didn't go uh, to you know broadcast or journalism school. But you could have gone uh, to Syracuse. It's got I, probably one of the very best. 
and I'd probably, <laughs> and I'd owe $280,000 and, and there would be definitely no 1948 leaf Jackie Robinson ever going to be possible. <laughs> I enjoy it. It is a labor law. I think it has to be, and not just, I appreciate the compliment, Dr. Jim, first off, and everyone out there that's creating content, whether it be half an hour, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, an hour and a half. And you do it every day, 15 minutes. And so we've talked about this before. Your 15 minutes every day, if you add up that those segments and put them together, you actually create more content in a week than I do. Production value uh, is what it is. I might put a funny sound uh, in there, but at the end of the day, it's what I say or the guests say that carries more weight than a funny Seinfeld remark. And I do that to, to have a little fun, let my hair down a little bit and inject a little humor. You got to have fun doing this. If, it, if you lose that aspect, you're sort of done. And same thing with content creation. I'm having fun with it. I do a segment where people ask me a question. I, I run with it on the air. And one of those questions was, how do you know like when you don't want to do the podcast no more? And I know it'll be when... It's a chore to turn that mic on and, and create something. And I'm not anywhere near there yet. And I hope it never happens. And uh, But if it did, hypothetically, I know like when I'm going through the motions, then it may be, who, what good am I doing for anybody? At that point, it might be time to hang up the mic, as they say. So Don't, don't hang up the mic. <laughs> no, do not hang up the mic. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. What we need to, uh, uh, it's great to have a voice and you have some great guests too. So that's... It's fun well, I, I, play and I'm trying to do the same thing. So. Yeah, the guests make my show. Like the guests are, are way more. Having you on is more interesting than just hearing me uh, talk on, on Hobby Quick Hit. Okay, I don't know about that. Not sure that's true, but uh, you do have some Hobby Quick Hits that are a lot of fun. So yeah. thanks, John Newman, Sports Card Nation. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the-